Hello friends, this is Tanya. I am so thrilled to share with you our first conversation from the Back Pew Book Club. Dawn and I had a great talk about 1000 Gifts by Ann Voskamp, and I think that you will appreciate it. You don't have to have read the book to get a lot out of this conversation because as you'll see, it takes us all different directions into our faith journey and our story. And so if you haven't read it yet, that's okay. But if you want to buy it at our website, which is giftgirls.blog, we have a link for the book. And also we have reflection questions based on our conversation and the book. And also we have the paired reading of the letter to the Philippians, which is the scripture reading that we've chosen to go along with this book. And so without further ado, enjoy. So, so welcome friends <laughs> to our inaugural conversation with the yep. Gift Girls Faith Book Club. We're going to be discussing uh, 1,000 Gifts by Anne Voskamp. Mm-hmm. Would you like to start in prayer or shall I? <laughs> this All is right. how I pray before dinner. Ask my it. kids. I love it. I'm arms wide. My arms, up. arms yeah. wide. God, we want to come before you with arms wide. And whatever that means, whatever you would put into our hands, whatever you would put into our hearts, our thoughts, would you guide them? Would you bless them? Would you help us to minister to each other in ways that you designed only us to do? We just commit this to you for whatever purpose you would use it for. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. (laughs) All right. I'm giggling about that, but it does seem so joyful i don't know something yeah there we go that was nice that was really (laughs) nice just to acknowledge no matter where we go and what kind of like arrogant obnoxious wrong statements we might make gosh right i know i can feel it coming we could say that is just part of the journey just part of the process Mm -hmm. of finding our voice developing our gifting for his glory yep so 1000 gifts yeah where to begin why you chose this book Yep. Way back when we first started meeting with our Faith Book Club. Right. So what led you to this book in the beginning? So in the beginning, I had two different people give me this book on two different occasions. Uh, like, I'm a reader. People who know me know me well. Like, you know, I love getting books as gifts. You know, people will do that frequently with people in my life. I also enjoy gifts. So that's the other part of that. <laughs> so books are frequent ones. Um. And so this book was given to me twice. The first time I received it, I looked at the cover, which um, is very, I would say, um, girly. And I mean, it's lovely. It's simple. It has a nest and two little blue eggs. And it looks like a woman holding it. But it looked churchy and feminine in the sense of like when I've been to church, things that are feminine, they don't fit me. And so I look at that and go, oh, that's nice. For other people. Like, I won't get anything out of that. And so I sort of set it aside. Um, I don't even know if I cracked it open. The cover was enough to, like, make go, yeah, thank you, but not for me. And then it came to me again. And so that's when I was like, all right, this is probably something to pay attention to. And so that's when I opened it up. And when we were kind of reviewing, because it's been a few years since I have looked at it, but it has been such a powerful book to me that I feel like it's now in my life. But to actually open it again, I had forgotten the aspect that really drew me in so quickly. And it was that she begins from a point of deep despair and pain. 
And this is a book about gratitude. It's a book about listing things in your life or observations that you have, uh, just common things all around you, and seeing them as gifts. And, and then saying thank you for them, like taking that extra step and not just acknowledging that they're the present, but actually thanking the source. And so that's the piece that's now a practice for me in my life because of how she writes. But I had forgotten that really what grabbed me about it was that she didn't come from a place of like, and my life is perfect. And I have these fantastic, I think she has like six children, right? And, and you know, my husband is like the end all be all and, and my perfect life. And I'm just so thankful to God. She came from a place of loss. Her sister dies at a very young age and she is young. So she loses a sibling when she's a child and how that impacts her family and um, depression and all of the questions that we ask God when things are terrible, when you're in a pit. And I was in a pit, really, when I got this book. I was like two years out of a pit. (laughs) But still on the journey of like, how is my life going to be good again? So that's what um, pulled me in to this book. And then, um, should we talk about gift girls? Like, yeah, to, yeah. Like, pull that in. Yeah. Um, so you and Sandy were both in a place where you needed something a little bit more than right. church on Sunday. Yes. And more than like women's Bible study. Right. Yeah. I had my kind of fill with those. Yeah. And, um, and it was, <laughs> I'll tell the story again. Um, my kids had lice. I have four kids three daughters with very long hair at the time and they were in grade school and we had lice and I had never experienced this before. It was horrible. It was months of combing through hair every single night for hours and doing laundry every day for hours and not really knowing what else to do and not being able to get rid of them. (laughs) And I recalled later too, that it was also a time when my washing machine, I'm going to say it, shit the bed. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to go to the laundromat. And so I was like in a pit over that just daily. I can't dig out of this. I can't fix this. It is like turmoil, sending my kids to school, not knowing if I should send them to school, but it was weeks. I couldn't, you know, anyway. So just anxiety and despair and and feeling alone. And um, my friend Sandy called me and she's like, what do you need? I'm like, I don't even know what I need. I need pillows. You know, like I have to throw these pillows. I can't wash them again, you know. And she's like, I'm at Walmart. I'm going to bring you some pillows. And she did. Like she came over like within a half an hour with these pillows. And I was I was sitting on the floor. She came in. She sat down next to me. And she just said, as only someone with that kind of conviction can, like this is probably the worst time. But I am just going to ask you, I think we should start something. I think we should start a book club. I think that's what we called it. And she said, I will host it. I'll have it at my house because <laughs> my house is lice ridden. I don't know. No, but she's a hostess. And um, she said, I'll host it and you lead it. And I immediately, of course, thought no. My first response to, to a lot of things is no, I can't do that. And then I pause. 
and the idea works on me a little bit and that's probably the spirit too working on me a little bit and I said yes all right yes because I did need something too this book had already come to me and it was my first thought like my go-to well we should read this and I think she looked at the cover and was like oh my gosh are you sure you know <laughs> like because I don't like fluff would be like a direct quote of hers and um I just thought like this is the hardest some of the hardest work I had ever done as a Christ follower. So you have a beautiful way of talking about what she describes in Eucharisteo, this word, this Greek word. Yes. So, so she, why want you Eucharisteo to, you becomes sort of the theme word of the book, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. And that is, of course, the word Eucharist comes from that for the communion. And also it means thankfulness or giving, th the giving of thanks. Mm -hmm. And so she, this book is very poetic, so she uses right. this word almost like a chant. It's like this constant refrain every, right? at least 10 times in every chapter. It will just be almost like uh, the Salah yeah. in, the, yes. uh, in the Psalms. Of course, in terms of the Eucharist, so th to me, this book, when I thought back, because it was several years ago when we read this, mm -hmm. I remembered that, that image of the breaking of the bread, the giving thanks before this ultimate suffering. Mm-hmm. And that, that not only that, but that is what he actually said to do. Because there aren't really that many things he said to do. Mm -hmm. But that Jesus. was one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> and so this breaking of the bread, the image of it being, you know, his body broken for you, mm -hmm. do this, mm -hmm. not only breaking the bread, but letting your body be broken, suffer with me right. and give thanks in it. Yeah. And so, so that sort of suffering and thankfulness coming together in the most important sacrament that we have. Yes. The most repeated or daily, right? Because there's other things that you do once in your life. But this constant turning back to God, the, the, when we break bread together, right. yeah. the suffering is all built into it. Mm -hmm. And that's a mystery, and it's complicated, and it's, it's not easy. Right. But somehow... In the beginning of the book, she's making a list because a friend challenges her to write down 1,000 gifts. Gifts. Right. And, or, or blessings, things in there. Some, some of them are really little things like the yeah, cheese curls in them. the sunlight, right? Yes, yes. But that by paying little. attention and recording them, it develops a practice of gratitude that is easy just to skip over, not yes. to notice. And so that's all beautiful. And I was loving that. And we were all making our lists. Yep. And then the book takes a shift, right? And she starts to say, well, wait a minute. What about thankfulness for the, the not so good things? Or she calls it the ugly beautiful. Yes. Yeah. And that gets a lot harder. And yet that's when it becomes authentic. And when she actually has something to say to you and I you know, yes. that are maybe a little more skeptical yeah. about the fluff. Right. Absolutely. So, so that part, that part of the book gets really interesting. Really, um, uh -huh. well, could I give thanks if my son got terribly injured? Right. Well, we don't. I mean, we don't. We're not in that practice. Right. And there is confusion around a loving God, and um, do we need to suffer to know Him? And you know that kind of not taking pride in suffering, but understanding that it is it is just part of the package it is part of being human because you know there's there's that scripture that says you know give thanks in everything and she wrestles with that a lot and I think all of us do like once you've read that and you're taking a life of following Christ seriously 
you have to wrestle with that scripture of like, because I don't feel thankful, you know, a lot of the time. And how she develops that into, like, it is a practice. It is a daily working out where it is not a feeling. It is a naming of the gifts. And I, I want to finish that thought, though, of the ugly beautiful. Because we talked about it a lot in our group, you know, about I, I can't give thanks for this terrible thing. Like, I can't say thank you, God, for that. And I don't know the good that will come out of it yet. Like, I'm still in. I'm thinking of Sarah, you know, saying, like, I can't thank God for a wheelchair. It's just my life now. You know, like, I had a life before where I wasn't in a wheelchair, and now I have a life in a wheelchair. And I do think sometimes we read that scripture and we think the expectation of God is that we would say thank you for this thing that is an accident, a trauma, a a devastating, you know, like completely life altering. And Sarah would say there are good things about that experience in her life and what it means, like where it has brought her and thanking God for that, but not being able to say thank you for me being hit by a car on that day and this happening to me and wrestling with that. Like, I, I don't think, ooh, this is where I'm going to say something that I'm like, I might totally like pull this back, you know. It's okay to say something and then change your mind or say right. something and for it to be <laughs> wrong or not fully developed. Because when we're afraid of saying those things, then we never, we we never use our voice right. authentically. We lose the vulnerability. We right. lose the, the possibility of exploring and trying something else on. So I guess sometimes I feel that vocal Christians would take that teaching and say, yes, you should be thankful. You know, like you should be thankful that you're even here, you know, because you have like no, no rights to yourself. You know, you have... Um, you're a created being and God doesn't owe you anything. You know, like those are some of the teachings. And I don't, after reading her and, and journeying this, um, building this practice into my life, that is not what I sense God saying to me. Like, you're so small and nothing and I've given you everything that you should be thankful even for this thing that breaks your heart. I think he says more like what you were saying with communion. I know your heart is broken. Let me show you the beauty of the brokenness. Let me show you that. Because it's there. It's not, you know, there's always that analogy with our own children. We would never cause them pain just to cause them pain. And yet there are times when they need pain. To be thankful for that pain is sometimes I think maybe just an individual thing. If, If God is asking that of you, then that's where you are and you you know like you'll have to wrestle with that but i think no matter whether you have to say thank you for this horrible thing or i I can never thank you for this i can't thank you for this terrible thing but i do want to experience the beauty that you have for me in it the redemption of it that was really like the light you know that brought me through really difficult times when i would dread getting up in the morning, you know, and look in the mirror and think like, how am I going to get through this day? And this was one of the practices of actually naming something small. It could be, you know, painted toenails, like it could be anything. And realizing that if I did that, perhaps 
I could come through this time and like the person I was better. I distinctly remember during this period of time when I was developing these habits and reading this book and processing pain, distinctly standing in my bathroom and looking in the mirror and thinking like, is it worth it? You know, am, can I stand this? And thinking, what if I could come through the other side and look in that mirror and be grateful for that person, you know, for who I was, that that would be something richer and more beautiful. And I do feel like that happened through this practice. It reminds me of something our pastor just said last week. We're doing a series on the book of Ruth, Mm -hmm. and he talks about how Naomi calls herself bitter. Mm -hmm. But there's a difference between experiencing bitterness or despair and letting that root grow. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of talked about that, and I found that really helpful because mm-hmm. I think that's what you're saying in a way, mm-hmm. that if you can look for the beauty in the brokenness and know that Christ stands with you in all of your pain um, and is the ultimate example of suffering, that maybe you'll experience the bitterness, but it won't grow a root in you, mm-hmm. that instead the root will be love yes. and connection and unity. Right. Because pain can harden us. Yeah. And when we feel entitled. And this is where that teaching that many Christians have, well, we don't deserve any of it because we're all schmucks. And right. you know, um, <laughs> that kind of. In right. A way. So th- it's the flip. What I was going to say, it's sort of the flip side of having this view of God as this ruthless, angry parent. Yes. Is then being like, well, this isn't fair because I, this, right. this is wrong. I've always been good and I've always done the right thing mm-hmm. and I deserved better. And mm-hmm. that's the flip side of it, mm-hmm. that in our suffering, that's that bitter root mm-hmm. is the entitlement to something feeling better. Mm-hmm. If yeah. we see God as this angry parent, I don't know. I know we have to talk more about that. Yeah, that's a that, big one. That is a big one. Yeah. What stands out? The most to me from like this book and and what it has grown in my life is, and I want to say it well, um, it was very validating to me and like I could feel the truth in it, you know, like calling to me. And it was simple. It was, I'll just blurt it out and then explain it, that yes, this is true. This terrible thing is true. He left you. You got hit by the car. You have lice. (laughs) Like this terrible thing is happening. You can't deny it. There's no point in denying it. And as Christians, I feel like sometimes we feel like we're called to to say, like we're above it. You know, we don't feel it. It doesn't impact us. That's, That's the true Christian way to live. It didn't undermine that reality, which I needed validation of, but it called me to this other thing that, but this other thing is also true. You have a place to come home to. You have, I'll, I'll just read like some of my, my yes. list if that's okay. Cause I, like, I'll just open this to a random page. My daughter, Audrey, she was probably five at the time. Audrey's invitation to a six minute tea party. She wrote me an invitation and there was a time on it. And it was like from 10.45 to 11 or whatever the math is to 10.52 or whatever it was. And then I wrote, and the stamina to attend that tea party after a long day, even a six-minute tea party would have been like, oh, my God, I can't do it. (laughs) Um, Sand in my car. You know, like, 
a tiny example of like, ah, you can sand, there's sand in my car. You know, like I have to vacuum that out. There's sand in my car because I went to the beach, you know, and the beauty of noticing it and saying like, I love that there's sand in my car because of what it means, right? It reminds me of what it means. A perfect spider web in my garden. Being cared for by my kids. The drumbeat sound of a bullfrog. The dog who comes back. <laughs> After your dog just ran around the house when, we got here, when I got here. Uh, birthday cards from friends. Air conditioning in my car. A husband who does dishes. Ooh, that was a good one. Library books. Like, I could be combing lice out. But these other things are also true, as true, and rich and blessings if I'll notice them and name them. And that is one of the things she points out, like naming it is important. Um, We talked about this before, like when we put it in general categories, you know, like, oh, I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful for my job. And we don't get specific about those aspects of it. I'm thankful for my own desk that I get to sit at at work and have my own thoughts whatever it is, um, the coffee cup that sits on my desk, you know. It slows you down. Yes. Or she says, what do you need? It weighs down these moments. Yes. Or, or, I can't remember the context exactly, but she uses that phrase. Of it weighing down time. Yeah, that, that it, it slows you down enough also to have that little bit of distance. Yep. Observing your life right. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And that was life-giving to me to have both of those things validated because I was very much would have considered myself I'm a realist you know and and there isn't a lot of room for that at least in the the Christian settings that I was brought up in you know where we um you know if you have faith then this will happen you know miracles will happen and healings and you know all of that and and I've experienced that but I've also experienced faith that doesn't bring healing and doesn't bring you know the glory, you know, triumphant, whatever expectation. And what do you do with that? You know, and she, she speaks to that often, you know, like, can I still say God's grace, you know, in the house of the boy of the family who's just lost their son? You know, is it still God's grace? And that is, all of us wrestle with that at some level, you know, like how to make sense of that. And keeping those two things of, you know, like, yes, this is true. This happened. This is real. You can feel pain. But these flowers are still beautiful. And the sun is still shining. And that it doesn't do anybody a service, even when they're in pain, to not have joy. You know, and, and she does talk about, like, that word when she breaks it down, Greek and, and whatever, you know, that, that the word Thanksgiving has roots in joy. And that that, for me, keeping this list in a dark time, as hard as it was, it felt like work. It felt that she talks about hammering nails and how you'll, you'll hammer out one habit by hammering in another. And so to be a realist and keep track of the negatives, well, you know, this and this and this if I don't list the gifts as well it's not a true picture it's not being a realist like it's denying these other things that are also true and when I did that that's really when I call it like magic the magic happened and I did feel joy again in a pit 
the pit was still there. We didn't get rid of the lice for months and we had to actually go pay people to do it for us. But, and I'm using that as an example, a lighter example of the real pit that I was in. Yeah. But I was able to experience joy when I didn't think it would come. And so it felt like magic to me. It felt like such a small thing. How could this unleash this amazing other door? And so that is what, you know, I take from her work. I would recommend it to people. It is very poetic. You have to get used to her writing. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you want to read some of it. Did you still um, want to do that or no? I don't know if there's a section. there. Well, there's one thing that I love that I actually put in. I'm working on the reflection questions for okay. this conversation, but mostly for the book. Uh-huh. But I think that even just hearing the conversation would be enough to look at the questions. But there is a poem that she shares at the end that's actually by Teresa of Avila uh-huh. um, that I just, to me, I'll just read it. Go ahead. Just these two words he spoke changed my life. Enjoy me. What a burden I thought I was to carry, a crucifix as did he. Love once said to me, I know a song, would you like to hear it? And laughter came from every brick in the street and from every pore in the sky. After a night of prayer, he changed my life when he sang, Enjoy me. And um, that's the challenge. Right. We really don't know how to do that no, as Christians. No, Isn't we that feel shocking? Like, we feel like that's indulgent or selfish yes. or, or silly. Right. I love it. it to me, I, I read that and I go, that's, that's the gospel truth. You right. know, that is just, that is it. Right. He will lead us, in, lead us to himself through that, right. through that playfulness. Yep. And following the joy. Right. Right? Where we're kind of taught a different message in church sometimes. Absolutely. And for me, when, the, when we first started the book club, I was just so excited to be in the room <laughs> and to be able to talk. Right. Because I do, uh, not maybe then, but certainly through the years of this book club, I have a voice and I have opinions and I have new ideas. I want a voice. I want to share that. I want to ask people questions and, and see what they think about my new thought and to be able to get together with people and do that and really be able to say anything, say some outrageous things, (laughs) you know. Shock a few people. Right. Uh, Say things you're not sure about. Right. Like, was I'm just trying this life on. for me. Yes. Because I was at a time, I also have four kids. They were all at home. Uh, at the time, I think I had babies, two babies right? still yeah. and like preschooler, that kind of thing. So I was really isolated in that because yes. I was thankful to be an at-home mom, but also isolated in that because right. my only daily companions were crying babies, these little people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so it felt like life for me, so for me, this book is also tied up with the experience, right, of being with being in connection with other women and being able to say things and explore our voices, and the expansiveness of what how big faith can be, right? Because church can be kind of a passive experience sometimes if you're not the pastor, right? I mean, right. I don't know. It's so <laughs> most churches, right? Yes. Um. So to be able to. To do that was so life-giving for me. Absolutely. And that's part of why I want to do the podcast is to be able to, to share it with others. Right. So 
may it be an encouragement to people to get together with people they trust and not be afraid to. Right. That is a hard space to carve out. Uh, like, I think particularly in Christian circles, I had not experienced that until we got together. And most of the time my experience had been, I mentioned, you know, like women's Bible studies type thing. And I felt like there was sort of like a, you know, there would be a book or a workbook and the quote unquote right answers were obvious, but there was very little actual wrestling with that answer, maybe, or very little honesty about, you know what, I know that's the right answer, but that's not my answer. That isn't really what I think. And I would typically walk away from those experiences frustrated and feeling more alone not, you know, not more in community, I would feel more alone, because I didn't see it. I didn't see other people um, having that. I think this is crap. I, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. this just doesn't work for me. <laughs> that quote from Polar Express, Christmas just doesn't work out for me. You know, like these, that scripture doesn't work for me. And if you're telling me it's simple and easy, like you have to say more than that, because ultimately, I just want to cry bullshit. I just want to say, there's no way that's true in your life. Like, tell me how it is. And that was really what made me carve out the time and be there week after week after week, you know, on Friday mornings was just that lifeline of honesty and vulnerability and being able to try on new other authors, like what they were saying that to me sometimes was shocking, you know, and, and pushing the envelope, like, do I really think this? That really, it calls to me. There's something about that that expands my version of God. And I was looking for that to be able to try something on and say, you know what? I think this might be a new path for me, like to walk down. It brings a life to it or a freshness to yes. what can become routine or worse than routine. It's somebody else's routine. Yes. Right. Somebody else is telling you that your routine should be their right. routine and, and with devoid of life. Yeah. So it was has been extremely life giving to me. As corny as gift girls to me sounds, I am gonna say that. Yeah, we started calling each other <laughs> gift girls because of this book. Right. Which some of our children teased us about. Right. And or husbands. And some of us never actually said the words. Like I right, haven't right. really let that out of the bag. But I, that's yeah. what I go to is gift girls. I still say book club, like, you know, to my friends in town and neighbors and, you know, like my Friday group is really what I call us. But I understand like the trueness of it. It really is a gift. And I just want to mention that you had suggested that we pair this book with the Philippians reading Mm -hmm. because, of course, this book is just full of that rejoicing even in difficult circumstances right. or like at least the well, exploration and that's where that of how that scripture that's is, right? In everything give a, thanks. Yeah. Yes, in everything Ugh. give thanks. And it's just jubilant. Yep. That is on the same post for the reason that it goes so well with this book. Mm-hmm. And we have other books that, you know, like I love your pile of books there that we can look through. And we have, you know, that image of the table that we sit at with books and coffee and um, the phones are set down like flipped over you know and sandy will usually have a candle and there usually be like some flowers from somebody's yard and somebody brought something that they made to eat and 
all of those different authors have been like stepping stones for me and each person's response to them is so interesting to me because it's different than mine, even though I would say we're a pretty homogeneous group. It's fascinating to me how different we all are, you know, human beings and our points of reference and what we hear and what sticks to us, what we're going through. And anyway, I'm looking forward to going through those again. Yeah. Like the books, the, pa- the path we've been down. Me too. And the, these authors have been teachers that I desperately needed. They were like the water in the desert. Mm-hmm. But also you you all have been my teachers. In a vulnerable way, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Because I do think that, again, in my experiences in the past, that's what was missing. You know, it's kind of people were afraid. At least that's, that's the assumption I make about it when I look back on it. People were afraid to be vulnerable. And um, that's the, the juice that, that's the ingredient, you know, that really... I think right. we're afraid to question, right? And our which has our always book club been, has always been yeah. about questioning, even just to try on an idea, even mm-hmm. if it's not something that we're really believing. Right. What if? Right. Dot dot dot. Right. If that were true, what would that mean? And right. How would that impact this or that? So I think next we're going to read "Simplicity" okay by Richard Rohr. Yep. Which is one we've read more recently. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about that. I think that will be a good next read. Okay. Very different. Yeah. I love Richard Ward. Yeah. He's a Franciscan priest. Mm-hmm. Yep. I find so many of his ideas call to me and are how I see the world. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. There was something I wanted to say about joy when you were talking about it. When you were talking about God being joyful and drawing us into that, I can't remember your exact words, but it reminded me of, I was either watching or listening to Brene Brown, and, you know, she does all this work on shame and vulnerability, and which I love. I'm so happy that there's somebody in the world kind of like charging that hill because vulnerability has not been something we have valued, and yet it's the pathway to so much growth and community and you know like so many things that we long to have that we seem to escape us and joy is one of them and she was saying i hope i'm not misquoting her that joy is is the one of the emotions or responses that we don't really know what to do with and she was describing like walking down the street with her husband after like having a great night out and you know like the kids are at home and they're taking care of and they're just like enjoying their time and it feels free and And um, she's like, let's take another walk around the block so the kids will be in bed before we get in there. You know, like she could still see the lights on when they got home. And so they were doing that. And she's like, I was just so in the moment and feeling so much joy about just my life, like where I'm at. And I thought, what if somebody like mugged us right now? Like I had this terrible thought, like, what if there was somebody out here that would just come and like beat you up? Like, you know, her husband or whatever. And she's she said it out loud to him. And, and, you know. She's like, do you ever think that? And he was like, no. (laughs) And she described typically our uncomfortableness with feeling joy because it does feel vulnerable. We open ourselves up, but pain could be right around the corner, right? As if that means that joy is inappropriate. Or not real. Yes. Like this is true, but this is also true. Yes. And I thought that, and, and, you know, she has data and research on this and whatever, you know, like, 
the folks that, um, I don't know, she was studying resiliency, but the people who can experience joy in their life are better able to handle the situations in which the crisis, the, the pain is present, the, you know, and, and so oftentimes joy has felt inappropriate. And yet it's so much a part, you know, Rob Bell will say that like joy is, is the engine of the universe, right? Is joy, you know, that really from the deepest place of who God is, is joy. And we so, we experience that so little sometimes when we have access to so much of it. I feel like that's so important and so life-giving and worth following after, you know, worth pursuing and exploring. Amen. There we go. Yay. <laughs> Is there anything special we want to say to close to it out? To close it out. I know. I do think blessings are rich, you know, in terms of like, go in your day. And I would say for this, for this particular one, go in your day and find the joy in it. There okay. we go. 